you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show and happy Monday. So did you watch the big game? As expected, the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelty romance, Kelsey, was on full display. But what happened on the sidelines with Kelsey is also making big headlines. That behavior was terrible. I'm sorry. The fact that he didn't apologize for body slamming his coach who was 65 years old is wrong. I mean, you couldn't muster eight. That was terrible. I'm sorry. I had a lot of testosterone raging through me like any, no, anyway, okay. Uh, many folks' favorite thing about the Super Bowl, the commercials, uh, largely today proving to be a flop. There's not like a ton of buzz around one and there are reasons for that, I'll get to it. And there was even a little bit of politics sprinkled in. Joe Biden, uh, he did not do an interview, but he did have a bizarre message for Americans. And RFKJ today is apologizing for an ad that his Super PAC aired, which I actually really enjoyed. The University of Austin is a new university dedicated to the fearless pursuit of truth. At UATX, a culture of free, open inquiry and civil discourse helps us break through barriers instead of walking on eggshells. Students will feel at home in our downtown Austin campus. With guidance from world-class professors, they'll grapple with history's most important ideas. They'll learn through dialogue, without fear of censorship, while forming friendships that last a lifetime. They'll have unparalleled access to mentors in business, science, politics, and the arts, and develop careers alongside Austin's leading entrepreneurs, builders, and founders. What's more, all students in the founding class will receive full tuition scholarships for all four years. Admissions are rolling for fall 2024. Apply to the University of Austin now at uaustin.org. Pure Talk is once again investing in their customers without charging an extra penny because Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than the half of what Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile will charge you. If you bring your phone, PureTalk's eSIM technology will make switching so simple. Or you can get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Consider making the switch to PureTalk. Just go to puretalk.com kelly to start saving today. And when you do, you will save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, visit puretalk.com kelly to start saving on wireless at home and abroad. Joining me now, Blaine Crane, Jake Crane, and David Cohn, hosts of the Daily Wire's sports show, Crane and Company. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for so us, much Megan. for having us. We're, uh, we're excited to be here. Sure, cool. So, all right, well, I, I confess I was disappointed the Chiefs won. I wanted the 49ers. 
just kind of over the Chiefs. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm over their drama and I'm not really a Travis Kelsey fan. And I'm kind of mad at Taylor Swift still because she went to that Palestinian fundraiser and it was ridiculous. Not a word for the, you know, Israelis. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Um, so they, it wasn't to be, they won in what turned out to be an exciting game, kind of snoozy in the beginning. And I guess I'll just start with what I thought was the most controversial moment, which was when Travis Kelsey body slammed and yelled at his coach, Andy Reid. We'll show you the video. Here he goes. He bumps into him. You can see Andy Reid struggled to stay on his feet. And he's screaming at him. Of course, they had the lip readers out there trying to tell us what was happening. And they claimed he was mad that he wasn't in on a pivotal play. So you tell me whether this is, I'm not a football person or even a sports person, just as a human. I was like, it's bad. <laughs> what was your take as sports guys on just, you know, how bad? What level of breach was that? Well, <laughs> look, the, the way the NFL kind of handles the, the player-coach relationships is a lot different than the way the college game is. I mean, a lot of times in professional sports, the players are making more than the coaches. So there's not as much yelling coach to player. It's kind of more of a friendly relationship. Here's my thing. Guys get competitive on the sidelines all the time. I mean, we've seen Tom Brady uh, yell at Josh McDaniel. We've seen Patrick Mahomes go off my, my thing is when you start physically touching somebody then it becomes different you know when, when I coached we always had a rule is that I, I was never going to put my hands on you and you were never going to put your hands on me because that takes it to a new level I get you're frustrated we've all been there we've been on sidelines I've been as mad as anybody in the world but the minute you start physically touching somebody and we're not talking about you know a, a similar age people I mean Andy Reid's a big guy but let's be honest I mean he's getting up there in age and Travis Kelsey if you really wanted to, he'd make him look like Mr. Potato Head. He'd just be picking up his arms and legs and nose and eyebrows and stuff off the sidelines. So, you know, David, the, the physical part to me is where it kind of crosses. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll tell you this, Megan. No one was more excited that Travis Kelsey behaved like that than Andy Reid. Now, if, if these were 18-year-old kids and you had a player who's never performed, you would be right on the money, and it would be a, an extreme sign of disrespect. What we're talking about here in Travis Kelsey, and you can say whatever you want about his politics or being in Pfizer commercials. We all have our problems, right, with those sorts of things. But he will go down, I think, now as the greatest tight end to ever play the game. And the Chiefs in the first half of this ballgame underperform. You want your best player to be that emotional about not being in the game in the most pivotal moments. And I guarantee you what you saw there was just a microcosm of what happened in the halftime. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. I don't think at any level you should put your hands or bump into any coach, whether that's high school, college, or the NFL. It's a terrible look for Travis Kelsey. And it kind of reminded me of this. I kind of felt like Andy Reid uh, when I'm kind of watching the, the NFL football game would – I'm getting pushed Pfizer. I'm getting pushed the Black National Anthem. I'm getting pushed all these woke things. I'm Andy Reid sitting there just trying to watch a, an NFL football game. So I will say this. It's a bad look for Travis Kelsey. I want you to get emotional. I want you to care, right? And he does. But you should never, under any circumstance, bump into or touch a coach or a player on a football team. I agree. And just because uh, the coach had enough sort of dignity and class to not make a big thing of it after the fact once he'd won the Super Bowl – doesn't mean the rest of us should be countenancing that kind of behavior at all. You just don't like, you don't like Travis Kelsey's huge. He's got his pads on. He's got his helmet on. Well, I don't know if he had his helmet in that thing, but he's a huge guy. He's got his pads on. He's like, there's no excuse. Keep your hands to yourself. But I have to say, not to make it all about Travis Kelsey, but that's what the media has been doing. So why not jump right in? To me, the guy seems kind of like an asshole. Like last year we were watching when they played against the Eagles. That was my husband's team. And he was kind of a jerk. He won the Super Bowl. He didn't have a moment of grace. He kind of got on everybody for not predicting it. I actually had my team pull it because I'm like, 
I don't even watch football. Why am I having ne a negative reaction to this guy? And I forgot about this moment, which was implanted in my head in part by Doug's reinforcement. Watch. Man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that. Feel it. And on top of that, next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our name. We had an unbelievable run, and man, it feels good. Not man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to win it. And look at us now. Okay, so that's last year. Then he bumps the coach. And then we get to this year where he, I don't know that he sounded like a jerk, but he didn't exactly sound like a Mensa scholar either. <laughs> <laughs> celebrating. It's fine. He doesn't have to be. I'm just noting. <laughs> Here he was celebrating uh, after the big win. <laughs> uh, best hey, Elvis never had it better than that right there. Let me tell you. And lots of you got to fight for your right to part. Okay, fine. He's having a good time. Maybe that last one didn't meet the bell. But what do you guys make of him? And am, am I missing something? Well, you know, look, it, we kind of hear this in dating too. You know, sometimes nice guys finish last. And when you've won as much as the Chiefs have, I mean, we see this in, in any dynastical run. Tom Brady would invent a chip on his shoulder. We see it in college football all the time. Nick Saban's a great, one of the greatest college football coach of all time. Yet every year, he acted like everybody thought Alabama was going to go seven and five. You got to find why. I mean, Michael Jordan, right? In inventing competition, inventing adversity. Uh, you want a little bit of that for, from your leaders. Now, is Travis a little bit brash the way he goes about things? He really, it's funny because when you look at his older brother, Jason Kelsey, uh, the Hall of Fame like setter. Him. He's now mm. retired. They're totally different, right? Mm. You can tell one's the older brother and one's the younger brother. But I mean, when you win this much, you, you got to kind of sometimes manufacture some adversity and coaches help fuel that too. Nobody believes in us this yes, year. Yes, he Go had ahead. to manu because because uh, Jake, he wasn't getting enough attention. That's the problem with Travis yeah, Kelsey. He needed he wasn't getting enough attention. <laughs> Come on. If there's, if there's ever a year to do that this year, it was for Travis Kelsey, it was this year because no one thought the Chiefs during the regular season. Yeah. No one thought that the last two years, everybody was picking the Chiefs, especially with Tyree Kill. So I'm not surprised by this, but you do have to manufacture adversity. But at the, it was already past that, right? If you're giving... But he was win, already the center you, of literally every news article won, everywhere because so of his girlfriend. Who, did, who didn't pick you and why? And look, I know we're going to talk about this sooner or later, but why am I seeing Taylor Swift during a Travis Kelsey speech? Can it just be Travis Kelsey? Why did I see Taylor Swift 11 times during the Super Bowl? And, Can we wait, and Blaine, not just that. Why do we have to cut to Taylor Swift when Travis Kelsey hadn't, do, hadn't done anything? She, he uh, he anything. wasn't even his play. Anything at all. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a penalty. It could be a false start. It could be a pass. It could be a run. They're going to find a way to get Taylor Swift on camera. And look, it sucks that they won. I'm just glad that it's over. Yeah. You know, Megan, the Super Bowl has become a corporate event, right? By design to get non-football eyes on the game. So you have elaborate halftime performances, high dollar commercials. Well, obviously, Taylor Swift's presence is just going to exacerbate that. And star athletes dating pop singers, that's a tale as old as time. But for us, we're, you know, we're football guys. So when you get 22 players out there, 11 guys trying to score and 11 trying to stop them, 
our mind immediately goes to scheme and design and matchups and say whatever you will about uh, Travis Kelsey off the field. He's, he is one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. And when you see the relationship that he has with Patrick Mahomes, one of a generational talent at quarterback, and then one of the best play callers we've ever seen in Andy Reid, you know, that is why we're seeing this, this run that the Chiefs have been able to put together. And so the right, question to, have, now becomes oh, oh, yeah. how, how much longer will he play, you know? How much right, longer got, I don't care about that, but but I do have three actual football related questions for you guys. Um, things true. that I don't totally understand that I'm interested in. First of all, on the interesting plays, you got to give it to the 49ers for some of those. What do you call them? The laterals, the lateral passes. Yeah. Great right? plays. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated that. That was kind of snazzy and exciting. Second of all, that kicker for the 49ers was like breaking records left and right with those long, long field goals. But that one extra point cost them the game, really, because they would have won in regular time without overtime if he had gotten that extra point, which is almost assumed in football that you're going to get. So that one guy blocked it from the Kansas City Chiefs with his hand. I did watch the game and good on him. But was there a problem in that kick? Should it have been so high that it's not blockable? And are people talking about that bad kick today? Yeah, I, I thought the kick was a little bit low. It was a shorter field goal, so it wasn't like the longer ones where you got to kind of hit like the low liner to get it there to finally get it up. You go back and watch one of the Chiefs field goals that they hit, the 55-yarder, the I believe. It went through two guys' hands that, that could have blocked it. So uh, I thought Jake could have got the kick up. The protection wasn't great. As far as the trick plays, I mean, look, it's it, to quote the water boys, the bourbon bowl, man. You can't hold anything back. You were going to empty the bag on both sides. But I don't blame Jake Moody. For losing the game I, th I think the drop punt hurt him worse uh That's the, that was my third question so can you explain that because i that i didn't understand but i did see that the 49ers guy dropped a punt or did something with a with a ball he shouldn't have touched it but then they said he had to touch it because the ball had hit another one of his fellow players so he had so he was being unfairly blamed for doing the wrong thing yeah, so technically it's not even a, a muff punt or a drop punt it hit the 49ers player in the foot in the ankle. So if the if the team who's receiving the ball, if it touches one of your players, the ball is live now. So fumble. anybody can recover it. It's a fumble. So the best thing that returner could have done, if we are from a coaching teaching standpoint, if that does happen, you immediately fall on the football. You don't try to pick uh, it up okay. and run with it. So if it touches your own player and you're receiving it, it's a live ball. The other team can recover. Okay. What'd you guys think of the halftime show? Usher. I loved it. Look, I, I feel like if you didn't like illegally download one of those songs on like LimeWire when you were growing up, mm -hmm. like I don't want to hear your opinion on the halftime show. I mean, it was literally <laughs> like, I mean, I'm watching Ludacris dressed up like White Goodman for yeah. dodgeball. I'm watching Usher. I'm watching Alicia Keys. But I, I will always say though, Megan, I feel like Creed should do every halftime of the Super yeah. Bowl. Either until Creed, just Scott, Scott Stapp can't sing anymore. But I thought it was pretty true. good. Either Creed or bring back country music to the halftime show. That's what I'd love. Can't to. go wrong with Stapleton, that's for sure. This remind me, Usher kind of remind me of Terry Crews from White Chicks with his shirt <laughs> off. When the whistle. Yeah. When the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> I love Terry Crews. 40-year-old guy trying to look, uh, trying to live his life up a little bit. But the songs. It just brought back the middle school dance vibe yeah. from your boy. Back when the like America was good. It was good. You can listen to this music, and it wasn't so complicated. All this wokeness, all this crap that's in it now. Back, back in the day, Usher, Alicia Keys, Ludacris. Come on, now. Now, I'm not gonna lie. I did not. It didn't resonate with me. Uh, I like the last song, which I was familiar with. I love it from the movie Hitch. You know, you don't need no okay, pizza. Yeah, food there. Yeah. I love that song. Right. <laughs> 
That was good. And Usher's an amazing dancer and obviously a talented guy. It just wasn't my, I didn't love the music. And I'm still mad at Alicia Keys too, because she definitely wore pro-Palestinian gear right after the Israeli attack and said she wanted to take up paragliding. Hello, I'm watching you. I know what you said and did. Okay, but that's, so this is just my lens that I, I'm too in, yeah, in the news. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's number two. However, kudos to Usher for not showing me any vagina. For the entire Super Bowl halftime show. That's a that's progress, unlike with J-Lo and Shakira. Well, the nipple bet did hit. There was a bet out there. If, a well, well, Usher Well, show, he took his shirt off. Took oh, his shirt off, Usher. right? There you go. So the, uh, there's a bet out there that will Usher show a nipple. It was going off at he plus one. He freed the nipple? Yeah. He freed I'm both of them. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, societal standards. That's okay. Freeing the, the male yeah. nipple, let's not pretend. It's not the same as seeing Vag. Okay, I saw Shakira's Vag. Yeah, if, if I was the usher, I'd take my shirt off at halftime too. Yes, it's it's. Uh, I mean, if I look like that, sure, I'd want everybody to see it. So I thought it was there was actually a funny moment to me early on in his halftime show where it was clear he did the Michael Jackson Jackson crotch grab. Um, yeah. You can tell just from like the gyration above the waist, and and CBS clearly cut up like they cut the shot from the full body to just the top body, so you couldn't see it. I was like. That's interesting that that is now too much. It was like the Ed Sullivan days with the Beatles or with Elvis, not the Beatles, with the, with Elvis. Anyway, I, I appreciate them keeping it relatively clean as I have young ones at home who just want to watch football. They don't mm -hmm. see Vag. They don't really need to see crotch grabs either. So thumbs up on that. Um, let's talk about the ads. Did you guys have a favorite? <laughs> I, look, uh. <laughs> I, I think so no. gotten so bad. They're so everybody's bad. afraid to offend anybody. and You can't make anything yes. The, the one I like, though, I did like the Christopher Walken one because it lets Same. me do my Christopher Walken impression, which obviously, which we, oh, if you're please don't. To no end. Let's please show don't. a little bit of that. It was for BMW. Here's a bit. Nice ride. It's the real deal. 100% electric. It's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He was good. Of course. Enjoy your coffee. Careful, it's hot. Okay, thanks. Your dog's so cute. Mm, yeah. Ooh, so adorable. Yeah, wow. Yeah, right. We both know it's the man makes the clothes. Does this table work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Did someone say yeah? Don't you got somewhere to be? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I'm with you. That was my fave. Thought it was the best one. It's wild. It's yeah, crazy. here we go. That's pretty good. I'm a Vince Vaughn fan too. So when Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady got in the same commercial, I certainly paid attention to that one. But I think most of these brands these days, they just think, you know what? The safest thing we can do is put a celebrity in our spot, and that way we can get away with having to actually come up with anything creative. I mean, I remember years ago the commercials were simple, and that's yeah. what made them funny. Nothing seems organic. Nothing seems true. Pure. Nothing seems actual funny. It doesn't matter how many celebrities. You put in there one Bud Light. I'm not going to forget Jonah Hill. Yeah. Remember Superbad. People don't forget. You put whoever you want in there. We still know what you did. And the only funny Same. thing right now, because people are scared to be funny, because yeah, be canceled or politically incorrect. I mean, the last couple of years, it's got to be Lady Ballers, right? Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. the only funny yes, thing. Yes, you guys are the stars. Is the Lady, Ballers. Lady Ballers? It was amazing. Should have done a Super Bowl commercial. We should have done a Super Bowl commercial. That'd have been a hit. So you're right, because remember, what was the one, was it Bob's Big Boy that used to have the really sexy girls and yeah. oh God, like J Jenny McCarthy, I think, was in one of them. They used to pick like amazingly beautiful women. And they, and at the end, you were like, what did they advertise again? But it was always like a 
I think it was Bob's Big Boy. Somebody will check me my, on it. My favorite I, were the, look, like, I don't know if y'all remember these, but the Doritos. Oh, the Doritos, 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 Doritos Super Bowl good. commercials were they my were, favorite. Yes. And every one of them was just so good. And it didn't want to make me go buy Doritos. It was just funny. Mm-hmm. It was it's funny. Fun. It didn't rub me the wrong so way. And it makes you yeah. bond with the brand when they give you a laugh or they make exactly. you, you know, it's something provocative or they show you the sexy girl. We're not past the point where we can do that. None of that. It was all like, oh, we're very safe. We're very safe. I'll say something about the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Tom Brady ad. Um, Ben Affleck hates Republicans. He hates anybody who's right of center. He said he won't act in a film across from Republicans. And yet I, I have to tell you, I looked at the ad. I was amused by it. I could enjoy it. And I will suggest to you, gentlemen, this is one of the fundamental differences between people on the right and people on the left. People on the right can look at people on the left who they know hate their damn guts and still be like, okay, you know, I like the art or I like the song and I can, uh, the commercial was funny. And people on the left are like, what's that person from the right doing here? Why is he on the screen? Canceled. I'll show the audience some of the ad, see how they feel in SOT 10. The Boston Massacre. The Dumb Keys. Touchdown Tommy on them keys. Player coach. Got it. I'm open. And need no introduction, my partner. Sometimes it's really hard to be your friend. You said you were gonna support me. Don't don't, don't go away. My heart. Why you dunking me, girl? Why you dunking me? Don't My heart. How do you like them donuts? I'm so sorry. You had to see it, but I forgive you. <laughs> Lay us on the track. Are we gonna be on the album? We talked about this. Let's go. You're blinded by them pinstripes. Wrap it up. There goes Babe Ruth. Tom, you can stay. You remember when I told you I'd do anything for you? This is anything. Lame. Not I funny. Like that. Lame. I, well, I, I thought like it was it. cute. Lame. You didn't like it? Just putting all these celebrities in there. Again, it's just like a simple idea back to his Doritos point could have gone a lot further for me. Here's what I'll tell you what I liked about it. I love the friendship between Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Um, it reminds me of Goodwill Hunting in that any stories about friendship tend to resonate. I like the fact that they kind of played on the J-Lo, Ben Affleck marriage, you know, like she's embarrassed of him, which was, they kind of did that at the Dunkin' Donuts thing last year when he was manning the drive-thru. And it's fun to see Tom Brady make fun of himself, like yeah. sort of this geeky guy doing the whatever, you know, the turntables. He's so cool. He's won everything. It's fun to see him in a more like, okay, I'm I'm humble and I'm geeky and I'm playing this geek. I don't I So like I, that one for me worked, but you know, back to my point, Mm-hmm. Could you imagine a world in which they aired that with, I don't know, John Voight? <laughs> there aren't any Kid Republican Rock. stars. But like, yeah. Kid Rock. Yeah. yeah, Kid Rock. Uh, Hell no, there'd be calls for a boycott of the product. Yeah, it, the TVs just all would have shut off across the country. But it, to back to your point, Megan, here's I, I believe that, that people on the right do a better job of being able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. the difference between somebody that's whether they're acting or whether they're singing and kind of keep their political beliefs outside of it. I think on the left, it's more looked at like a religion. So yeah. therefore, regardless of how good, whatever the content is, whether the song or the movie or the commercial, you can't say it's good or even acknowledge it because somehow that makes you bad. To me, that's the most dangerous part. It's one of the reasons why we started this sports show, because mm-hmm. we want to keep politics out of sports. Sports is one of the few havens where people should be able to come together. When I'm sitting in a stadium and my team scores and I high five the person I don't know next to me, I don't care what they think about immigration mm-hmm. or, or, you know, abortion. Our team just scored. So I think one of the reasons our show has been able to grow the way it has is because when you watch Crane and Company, 
outside of men and women's sports, which isn't even political. It's like it's not political for me to turn my blinker on in the interstate. It's just safety. Uh, you can actually hear about sports. Like back in the day when you watch Sports Center reruns three times because it was all about sports. Now I just turn it on. And everybody tells me how horrible of a person like me and my ancestors are. I think that's a great point. And even like more than even just the compartmentalization is it seems like people who are right of center politically take issue with ideas and people left of center politically take issue with the actual people. Person. So when you're saying like they hate me as a person, that's true. That's why my, Matt Damon or, or you said Ben Affleck won't ben Affleck. act film across from a person who identifies like this, not someone who thinks a certain way politically. So I think that's an important not my point. Batman. Not yeah. my Batman. The worst Batman. Not my Batman. The worst Batman. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm sick of that nonsense. Now, um, I do want to say, I once again, we were subjected to the so-called Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, before the actual national anthem. I am sick of this. It's not necessary. It's, to me, played in this context, it's divisive. There's one national anthem for yes. all of us, every American. There is no point in actually, it's really a middle finger to the country and to those of us who love each other, irrespective of skin color, to try to divide us by race when we get to anthems at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but it's I mean, literally the song you want to lift everybody's voices Except up and you're excluding every other race. It makes no sense to me. I don't even know they've been doing this back since 2020. There's one national anthem. That's it. This That's is right. just what what is Matthew McConaughey? This is a floozy. This is a yeah, well, this is all it is. Didn't we fight like a huge war inside the country so we would stop doing this? So we'd have one national anthem. I, we have one of the reasons that aliens won't talk to us is because we're this stupid. We think to combat racism, we should look at everything through color. Mm -hmm. We think to combat, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, people that are gay, straight or trans. We should just celebrate one of the three and, and not normalize that. I, I, I just don't know why we do this. Can you imagine? Where's the Hispanic national anthem? Yeah. Where's the, the Asian national anthem? We brought Reba That's to Super Bowl right. not to sing the white national anthem. Yeah, what are we doing? They had a white national anthem. They'd have burned that place down in the first 30 Wait seconds. Oh, that's a, Jake, yeah, did that's you say one of the reasons aliens won't talk to us is because we're too stupid? Because we yeah. do stupid stuff. <laughs> if I was an alien and I was a billion years smarter than what we were, and I'm like, all right, hey, guys, let's all watch the Super Bowl, then we'll make a decision on whether we should talk to them or not. The minute the Black National Anthem comes on that's that's supposed to lift every voice, unless you're any other race in the world, we're just going to sit right. back up. It's, it's, either, it's either that or right when they show Taylor Swift. Yeah, one of the two. One of the yeah. I think, like, just I, from a marketing I'm perspective, so over her. The, first thing, the first thing we have to do from a marketing perspective is stop calling it the Black National Anthem. Like, never refer to it as that because that just gives credence to the idea that, oh, there are different national anthems. And then the next logical step to that is Jake's point. Well, okay, well, where's the Hispanic National Anthem? Or how about the Asian National Anthem? I mean, the NFL has found themselves in this tough spot where they're trying to market to all these demographics and make everyone happy. You're not going to make everyone happy. What do you say? If you want to make everyone happy, do I sell what? Ice cream. Sell ice cream. Yeah, so you're not going to be able to do that. But at least you've seen the NFL take positive steps in some of the bigger issues, which is no players were kneeling for the national anthem mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. You saw that. They put it. That, that seems like it was a, a specific period of time during the Colin Kaepernick age. That is over with for at least the time being. And the numbers and the ratings soared because of that. Yeah, I same. I didn't want to see that. And I was glad I didn't have to look at any of the kneeling or all that. The, the players all came through that little tunnel, which I really thought you needed a strobe warning for. You know how they put the strobe light warnings on yeah. different like, whoa, I don't know what they're trying to do to the players. But and we have to spend two, two minutes talking about two other things. And that's Taylor Swift, which we, amazingly, we've made it through 25 minutes without really talking about her. Um, and that Bud Light thing you referenced. So Taylor Swift, 
there was there of course tons of shots of her people seem very excited that she she chose to drink a beer like slam a, one of those skinny beers with the person sitting next to her I, okay i mean she's 34 years old she like she's celebrating that's that's great that's like a normal kind of 34 year old woman thing to do i'm just sick of the over celebration of Taylor being a normal person moments. Like, I don't give a shit what she's doing in the box. I don't want to see her after every single play. You don't show the other players' wives or girlfriends after every play they make. And they've been around with the with the Chiefs a lot longer than Taylor has. I'm sick of it. And they the shots of her talking to Roger Goodell. I don't care that he's excited she's bringing new eyeball. I'm I've had it up to here. She's a good songwriter and a good singer. She's not Jesus. This is yeah, how they yeah. treat her. And I don't, maybe it's just me. I've had it. Well, it, it, look, here's the way I look. Number one, I don't trust seeing Taylor Swift and Roger Goodell talk True. to each other. That just smells funny. Yeah. Just off the cuff. Here's my problem. Is that right? Why? Why? What do, what do you think's happening? Well, I think, right. I, I just don't trust what they're coming up with. Cause I think Roger Goodell is, is one of the worst commissioners the NFL's ever had. Uh, and and I just don't trust what this relationship is going to bring. I've got kind of a theory mm. on it maybe a get out to vote push uh, for Joe Biden, which I think is going to happen probably sooner rather than later. But Megan, w- when I look at Taylor Swift, here's what I ask myself. I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey. I don't have a problem with people talking about it. But I wonder if every girl that goes to the tra- uh, Taylor Swift concert, if they would get upset if every 30 seconds they showed on the Jumbotron Travis Kelsey sitting there drinking a Miller Lite. I think after a while, people would get upset about that. And, and, you know, when you look at it kind of from a, a 30,000 foot view, all these new viewers that got brought in with Taylor Swift, what happens when they break up and the next song is, you know, <laughs> Travis left the, and they lose yeah. even more people than they brought in. That's what I'm waiting for. That's the part of school they don't tell you about. <laughs> well, like, I, like, I want to watch the football game. All right. That's why I don't care that you're dating. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. I'm out here trying to win money. All right. <laughs> why are you shoving it down my throat? All right, that's what I like. It's and it comes back to a lot of arguments. Look, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care this and that. Just don't shove it down my throat. They showed her 11 times. 11 times during the Super Bowl, and I'm pretty sure it's over 60 times through the playoffs. It's getting ridiculous. I knew before. Even the playoffs started, once all these rumors came out about Travis and Taylor dating, that the Chiefs were going to make it to the Super Bowl because the ratings would be off the charts. I'm pretty sure right now, Taylor Swift, has brought the Chiefs in the NFL almost $500 million in profit. Mm. $500 wow. million. Roger Goodell, I get it, but as a football fan, I go back to the uh, Andy Reid reference earlier. I'm just Andy Reid on the sideline, and it's just a cameraman and Taylor Swift as Travis Kelsey screaming at me and bumping into me while I'm trying to watch the game. I guarantee <laughs> there were conversations had between Roger Goodell and CBS on the appropriate amount of times to cut to her just enough to make sure that the Swifties are entertained, but not so much that the rest of us are you know, oh, over, I'm over it. it. I'm just they really over, need yeah. to take a breath. I, I just like, look, it, it, I saw more of Taylor Swift than I did see of like the moms of some of these players who pulled themselves up. Mr. Irrelevant could have, could have seen more of his family. I don't know whatever happened to that. Right. I loved his story from the 49ers. <laughs> it's all about her. They're not even married. Like, I don't remember seeing this much of Giselle when Tom Brady was out. It's just too much, and it's having the opposite effect of the one they intend. It's making me dislike her as opposed to, like, fall even more in love with Taylor. It's just like Taylor Swift overload. Okay, last but not least. Budweiser. So Budweiser comes out, and they, you know, 
whatever. But Bud Weiser used the Clydesdale, which we all yeah. love. Love the Clydesdales. And Bud Light had something with a genie. Here's a bit. Sot 16. Are you? The Bud Light genie? Yeah. So we get wishes? It's my thing. Gimme. 80s metal hair. Yes. Filthy rich. So filthy. Invisible? Predictable. Giant bicep. Big one. A sweet ride. Best night ever! What's next? Bud Lights? I wish Peyton Manning was my best friend. Uh -huh. How we doing? Oh, oh, small. Hey. Okay. No one's actually doing that anymore because Bud Light is associated. It's a Dylan Mulvaney beer. So the, the, those yeah. actual guys have been called too fratty. They're by Bud Light and they're not drinking the beer. No matter how many times they want to show us these ads with guys who used to be their customer base drinking their product. That's not what's happening right now. So it's like a suspension of disbelief to watch that ad. They refuse to apologize, you guys. How yes. much money do you think they spent on that ad to avoid apologizing? How much money have they spent on these few conservatives or on Donald Trump at this event that they're going to be sponsoring for him because he needs money, he's running for office, to avoid apologizing? Well, That's here's, the biggest part. here's where I'm at with Bud Light. It, they've had to spend an inordinate amount of money. I mean, if you look at the stock prices and how much they've lost, they've already lost a ton. I don't care what their CEO or the, or the you know top of the TP says. Every time, I don't care how good the commercial is, every time now that I go out or I go to the store to buy a beer, I cannot bring myself, and I was a Bud Light drinker before the Dylan Mulvaney situation, I cannot get myself to buy one, because every time I open one, I feel like I'm looking at Dylan Mulvaney. You can't wash that off. If they were smart, they would have spent a lot less money on the production for the commercial, and it would have been the head of Anheuser-Busch or whoever looking right at the camera and saying, we made a mistake, yes. man. Mm -hmm. We yes. screwed up. Please forgive us. We messed up with Dylan Mulvaney. That's on us. We take accountability for it. Let us earn back your trust. But that's not what they do. They want to give us Peyton Manning. You want to give us post yeah. I just see Dylan Mulvaney every time I open a can of Bud Light, and I'm embarrassed to order it if I go out to a bar because I don't want people yeah. who are like, hey, there's That's a guy the from company, a.k.a. Dylan Mulvaney's boy. Well, Bud Light is convinced they can buy their way out of this fiasco. You see the $100 million deal with UFC. You see them partnering with Shane Gillis, and they have Peyton Manning and all these ads. They're convinced that it will just go away, and they cannot have to admit wrongdoing. To your point, Megan, not have to apologize. Whereas that would go so much farther to us, right? Like yeah. if they would just acknowledge wrongdoing, I never thought the boycott would be this successful. I never thought that people would actually stay committed to their values and not drink Bud Light. But to Jake's point, when you see these concerts, I mean, people go to these country music and rock concerts, the top shelves of Bud Light are completely filled because people don't want to be seen out drinking the stuff and they think they can buy their way out of it. I'm still bullish that, that they're wrong on this. I don't know. I, yeah. They probably can't buy their way out of it, to be honest. I don't think so. With we'll society see. these days with the attention span of eight seconds, people will probably forget and you can throw Peyton Manning and all these guys. I mean, as a society, I mean, we're not getting better. We're not getting smarter. Things aren't looking up. So I wouldn't be surprised if you can put $100 million on it in a couple of years, be fine. They're not going to come out and apologize. That's how I felt. Why the would they? I felt that way at the very beginning of this. I said, this will last two weeks and it'll be forgotten. The way that I've seen this movement over the last year, I mean, Jake's right. People are embarrassed to drink the stuff, and I just don't know don't, putting a lot of celebrities in. I don't think they're. I don't think they're as, as embarrassed as you think. As many, you I don't think the it? majority. Go I don't it? think the majority. No, I think we are, but I think we're in the minority. I think majority will let it go, especially when you get in UFC. 
If you can get UFC and you can get that commissioner to get up on stage and tell you to forgive Bud Light, a lot of people will. Mm, well, I mean, it helps when you get a hundred million dollar endorsement deal from them or, uh, you know, whatever he's, he's they're buying to get their beer uh, in front of their audience. And look, the smart move by Bud Light. But some of us feel betrayed and some of us feel like this is an endorsement of a whole ideology that we don't believe in. And some of us remember when we look at the Bud Light, they they think you're a joke. They think you're too fratty. They don't want you. They're now making fratty ads to try to suggest they never said that. But this woman was high up and they've never taken responsibility for her disdain or disgust for their customer base. Where's your apology? Come on yeah. this show. Go on any show. Have the balls as the CEO to take responsibility for what you did and your top executive said. Until then, it's a no. Okay, all fired okay. up today, somewhere, Crane and company somewhere guys. Somewhere in there, there's a win. Somewhere in there, there's a win with forcing Bud Light to do business, hundreds of millions of dollars with the most masculine sports in the world, football and with UFC. So there is a win in there somewhere, but to, I agree with you. Without acknowledging wrongdoing and without an apology, to me, it's just empty. Yeah, same. And I don't know, the poor, the poor guys at the UFC, I don't know if this is an exclusive deal, but look, if they have no choice other than Bud Light, if they want to have a beer while they're watching UFC fighting, of course <laughs> they're going to drink it. That doesn't mean they'd be seen walking on the street with one of these things. Most yeah. guys I know wouldn't be caught dead drinking a Bud Light right now. The only way they would drink it is if they didn't know it was a Bud Light and it had been poured out of its can into a glass so it was unidentifiable. Ah. You guys are fun. I'm glad to have you on. Please come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. All right. And you can tune in. OK, it's called Crane and Company uh, on Monday through Friday at 630 a.m. Central on Daily Wire. Wait, do they have to wake up? It's put them back up. Do they have to wake up at 630 a.m. Central? Is it only a live broadcast or they can they download it as a podcast? Here's the cool part, Megan. We're an equal opportunity employer. Yeah, the bestility yeah. outside of fertility is versatility. So mm -hmm. we do a live show, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We have live calls, a live chat. But if you can't catch it live, it stays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, mm -hmm. Daily Wire, YouTube. Every platform that there is outside of the ones that Good. Elon Musk landed rocket ships on. <laughs> okay, excellent. I'm glad to hear that. I probably won't be tuning in because I'm not a sports person. But when sports veers back into news, please come on and we'll continue our relationship. Yes, my excellent. Life. Thank Last you. Last longer Bud Light. All right, guys. Lots of love. Thanks for being here. Up next, VDH is on Victor Davis Hanson on the incredible Spin Masters at the White House on the devastating events for Joe Biden late last week. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Next, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Here with me now, Victor Davis Hansen. Victor is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. His new book, set to be released in May, but you can buy it now, get a pre-order in, that, help, that will help him out, is titled The End of Everything, How Wars Descend into Annihilation. Victor, thanks for being here. It sounds like a happy book. Uh, it's, a, it's a pick me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love everything you read, and so does Doug, who's a much more discerning reader than yours truly. Uh, okay. Thank you. 
You just dropped your new column. And first of all, just tell the readers where they can find that because everyone loves reading BDH. Yeah, you can read it at American Greatness or VictorHanson.com. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you you write, there are only two things that can stop the reelection of Donald Trump. One is the obviously coordinated effort of four prosecutors. The other is Trump himself. So you've got three key things that Donald Trump must do between now and Election Day to win. And it seems like you've got some questions about whether he's doing the things. So walk us through the things. It's, it's basically what people have said, Megan. It's the post-Iowa primary speech versus the post-New Hampshire primary speech. In other words, sometimes he's ecumenical, he reaches out, and he knows that he has to get 3 to 5% more of the popular vote from rhinos and uh, old Reagan Democrats and disaffected Biden voters, because it's going to be 70% non-election day voting. It's going to be very hard to authenticate those ballots and 10 or 12 uh, swing states. And then sometimes he, I don't know whether he's trying to troll, but in this case, when he went after Haley's husband, I understand that she's been pretty tough on him, called him basically senile and unfit to be president. But I don't know whether he was channeling rumors of her uh, adultery from way back. I don't know what it was, but he kind of walked into it when he gave an opening and said, you know, when Let me people play said, it, well, I have it. I'll play it. Yeah, go ahead. and You better quote it. I don't want to quote it. Yeah, <laughs> you should quote it because you'll have it exactly. Uh, 25. Then she comes over to see me at Mar-a-Lago. Sir, I will never run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. He knew. He knew. And he's he's de currently deployed, and now they're punching back. Yeah, I mean that that didn't work too well. I don't know how many people heard it, but the point is that it disrupts it disrupts the Biden doom loop, the news news that he's that Biden's in right now. And then when the NATO thing, I know what he was doing. He was trying to tell everybody that only by art of the deal, tough talk, and kind of trolling NATO people, he was able to get them to pay the 2% promised in, uh, GDP expenditures on defense, and that was very good. And he got about six to eight more nations to do that. But the way it came off that he was, it, it fed into, he's too soft on uh, Putin, and he's uh, going to get us out of NATO. So for a whole day Stand and by. a half, we everybody- We have that one everybody. too. Wait, yeah, I'll, I'll give ahead. it to you on the back end of this one too. This is another thing that's now Victor's point is he's dominating the news cycle again in a negative way, but Joe Biden was dominating in his own more negative way, and Trump just should have been quiet. But here's what he said on NATO on SOT 28. NATO was busted until I came along. I said, everybody's going to pay. They said, well, if we don't pay, are you still going to protect us? I said, absolutely not. They couldn't believe the answer. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, Will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You gotta pay. And just to point on that, Victor, um, not for nothing, but my own brother, who's five years older than I am, when I was young and poor and I wanted to borrow money, he had the same motto, Bank of Kelly, you don't pay, you go away. And 
this is a thing. It's a threat used in negotiations. And I understand what Trump was trying to say. Yeah. It was also yeah. retrospective. It wasn't prospective. But now the new headlines are BBC. Trump says he would encourage Russia to attack NATO allies who don't pay. The Atlantic. Trump encourages Putin to attack NATO members. I could keep going. Your point is strategic. Yeah, I, I know what he, you and I know what he was doing. He was trying to brag to everybody that he used art of the deal, tough talk, and it worked. And that was a value when they invaded Ukraine. But when he says he 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 wouldn't protect them, he, he knows that that's not his decision unless he wants to break a treaty that we've signed that transcends a particular administration with NATO. But the larger point is that he's in a very good position right now, Megan, because Haley's going nowhere and she's getting more and more desperate and attacking him personally. And I don't know what her strategy is. Uh, I think when DeSantis got to that point that he knew that he either had to drop out or get really nasty, he dropped out for future political viability. She's destroying her future political viability, even if she would win after the, this turn in her campaign, I don't think the MAGA people would fully support her. So he's in a good position, and the Fannie Willis, you know, is falling apart. She's probably going to be either disbarred or indicted or both. And I don't think the next team of prosecutors wants to go down that politicized, weaponized road that she took. Jack Smith's got a lot of problems. He's trying to speed up the calendar in a patently political way, weaponizing the special counsel's office. And then there's another special counsel. There's two potential people to indict. They only indict one. And yet you can argue that Joe Biden might have had as much or more exposure. So, I mean, that's I think that's going to be problematic. And then Alvin Bragg and Letitia James were the, the weakest of all of them. And so he, I think he can beat all of that. I really do. But he, he's going to need this 3 to 5% because he's never won the popular vote. Uh, in either 2016 or 2020. And he's gonna be, this is gonna be an election where there's gonna be more and more states that are voting non-election day. And that means that the authenticity rate or the rejection rate of the authenticity of the ballots has died, uh, is declined by a magnitude. They used to be four or 5% of ballots rejected. Now they're about three or 4%, 0.3 or 4% in most mm. states. And that makes it very hard to ensure that people who are either here illegally or felons or people, you know, that didn't register, it, it, it's it's very hard. So he needs a margin of error is what I'm trying to, to, to say. And he's not going to get it from people. And you know them more than I do. We all know people who say, I love this four years. Biden terrifies me. I want to vote for Trump. But what's this about? He wants to get out of NATO or why did he go out? You know what I mean? And these isolated, it's okay because people forget about it, but after a while they become cumulative. So two in a 24 hour news cycle. And if he should do the same thing a couple of times more then he's gonna lose that, that margin well, of error vote. You're, you're onto something because Trump's gift in the 16 campaign was he'd do or say something controversial or scandal would hit. And then he would just do or say something controversial immediately thereafter to change the topic to the new controversy that he wanted us to be talking about and the media would do it like lemmings. This, what happened this weekend was it was Biden's controversy. It was Biden down in the dumps yeah. and really getting hammered by the press, even the left-wing press. That is a very good time to be quiet. You know, that, that yeah. that's a super smart time to just say nothing, just stick to the prompter. 
if they're digging, uh, you know, why you're stop right because the NATO thing does matter with maybe not core MAGA, but you know more traditional Republicans don't want to hear that. The European allies don't want to hear that. The Democrats or the independents who might be thinking about crossing the aisle to vote for him don't want to hear that. And the Nikki Haley thing was totally unnecessary. I realize, listen, I, I'm tuned in enough to MAGA world to know people are like, they're like, he's in Djibouti. What's he doing? He's not, this isn't like fighting for the country over in, you know, Iraq. Um, that it doesn't matter. Military's military. He's active duty. He's deployed. There's zero reason to be raising, where is he? Like he's not with her because they're in a scandal. He's not with her because he's deployed. He's active duty. Yeah. I think there's another issue too, is that in 2016, we didn't have the damage we have now. In 2020, we didn't have the damage. We came off four years of Trump's good governance. And now we've got this disaster, whether it's crime or the border or foreign policy or 30% higher prices on key staples or this $35 trillion debt. So this, this election is existential. I know they say that about every election, but the stakes are much higher and it transcends Trump. For whether fair or not, good or bad, there's a lot of people who cast their fate with Trump. He represents not just the MAGA people anymore. He's a, he's become a symbol of we've got to stop the madness, and he has responsibilities that transcend his base. Because I, I you and I know a lot of people. I live in a 95% Mexican American community. I can't believe the people who come up to me every day and say they're thinking about voting for Trump. And uh, I'm on the Stanford campus. I even meet professors that say they're considering a voting for Trump. Wow. So he's got a chance to really break up this. He could, I guess what I'm saying is that he has a chance to not only lengthen or widen his House margin, he could take the Senate and he could win the popular vote. And if he did that, it would be in this conservative grasp to really undo a lot of bad things and to do a lot of good things. So he's got, I think he has a, a rare opportunity. He's kind of like Reagan was in 1980, but Reagan didn't win the entire Congress. But uh, he could do, he could win the House, the Senate, and, uh, and, and stop this madness. And yet, so he's got responsibilities to, I think, be careful what he says. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's going to be tough to legislate anything if he gets back in there and he doesn't have the House and the Senate, which is doable. I mean, it's 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 hard, but it's a possibility. Uh, for the record, here's Haley firing back at Trump, uh, SOT 26. If you mock the service of a combat veteran, you don't deserve a driver's license, let alone being president of the United States. Okay. I mean, she's not wrong. You shouldn't mock that. But I mean, he already did this with John McCain. The voters didn't hold it against him. Trump can get away with extraordinary things in a way others can't. What else is yeah. she going to say? We, we have a minute to break. Go ahead. Thoughts on that. Well, I mean, in the, the what Trump doesn't get and people don't get is John McCain had said that Donald Trump was bringing all the crazies out of the woodwork. He really, he was slurring Maggie, called them hobbits. He called them crazies. And Trump was responding to that when he was signing a book. He just, they asked him about that. Are you bringing, and he got angry. And Haley, if you look at what she said, she's she's really said basically before all this happened, he's senile and he's not fit. So I understand that he's getting angry, but Haley's going nowhere. She's not going to win South Carolina. And if she doesn't win that, she's not going to win the primary Tuesday, the big one. 
So I don't see what the purpose is. I would just let her flail and flail and flail. She's not getting traction. And all she's doing is hurting her viability either yeah. for a cabinet post or a future run at anything. And so I don't The story no about the alleged affair it. has been out there. We actually, on a different matter entirely, had the alleged affair partner on the show. And he said, yeah, you know, I've been pretty open about it. Ancient history, up to viewers to decide. Trump's got his own baggage. Stand by, right back with Biden. I'm Megan Kelly, host of The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch The Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM at home or anywhere you are, no car required. I do it all the time. I love the Sirius XM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Let's talk about the scandal that Trump should have just let percolate over the weekend rather than changing the topic by so many in the media. Because, of course, given the chance, they'd love to change the topic. But it was pretty extraordinary to see even the left wing covering the Biden story and his meltdown last week, you know, with some fervor to the point where people were saying, oh, like the New York Times is some conservative rag now because it was pointing out he's got some serious mental acuity problems, according to special counsel, in ways that seem to entertain the idea as opposed to just dismiss it as the musings of a partisan hack, which is what they're suggesting special counsel her is now. It's H-U-R. Um, I'll give you just a flavor of how like they're spinning it. Probably Kamala Harris was their number one ambassador in a fiery retort. She came out on Friday and tried to just really attack the special counsel in ways even the president was not claiming in an effort to defend himself from that report, which said he did mishandle classified documents, but he wasn't going to bring charges against him because he did not believe that a jury would convict because they'd be looking at a, quote, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory and probably wouldn't couldn't bring themselves to actually say the guy violated the law. Here she was on Friday, SOT 21. The comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, inaccurate, and inappropriate. The way that the president's demeanor in that report was characterized could not be more wrong on the facts and clearly politically motivated. That when it comes to the role and responsibility of a prosecutor in a situation like that, we should expect that there would be a higher level of integrity, 
than what we saw. Okay, so just a couple of things. Not even Joe Biden's claiming that everything in that report or that his characterizations of Joe Biden's memory problems were inaccurate. He's not he did not take issue with the devastating conclusion by special counsel her that Joe Biden could not remember when he was vice president. He did not take issue with that. He did suggest he knew when Bo Biden died, but didn't actually state the date when even when he was defending himself and uh, in and in general uh, has refused to show any proof that this was inaccurate in any way because they could release the transcript. Right now, the White House is saying, well, we'll look at it. We'll look at it. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't because there's a lot of classified information in there. Yeah, we know because it's based on his documents he inappropriately kept. But anyway, the question about when your son died or his offerings on not being able to figure it out or when he was vice president, that could be released. So far, they haven't done it. And not even Biden has denied it. She's the only one claiming it's inaccurate. So it's an obvious lie. And this mirror of her as politically motivated based on what? Based on what? To get, tell us more. Just the fact that he's a Republican? I don't see it. Yeah, I think every almost everything they said, if you think about it, has been disingenuous. And she, she gave no examples. She said it was gratuitous and inappropriate. And she didn't give an exa- one example. And the biggest problem they have is they can't decide whether he's non-compos mentes and cognitively challenged and therefore he shouldn't have been indicted or he's perfectly cognitively capable and therefore he should be indicted. And so they they go back and waver. They praise him sometimes because he didn't indict him, and then they criticize him because they said he didn't indict him. But there's some things they can't get away from. He didn't even say that he thought that Joe Biden was non-compos mentis. He said that people, in his opinion, would think that. In other words, it was a widespread belief. And today, 86, the latest poll, 85% thought he was too old. 76% said he's not suited. So that wasn't anybody's speculation. That was what the general people feel. But what I got really angry was, was the dis, uh, Kamala Harris and the rest of them, especially Dan Goldman, lying, just blatantly lying, as did Joe Biden. The first thing they said is, contrary to Trump, Joe Biden cooperated. He did. He went for, he, he notified people as soon as he, that's a complete lie. He took it out at least 14 years ago, the last year of his senatorial career, in 2009, I think January 15th, when he resigned. So he at least had these documents that were classified for 14 years and might have been gone back a decade earlier. Then he took him out as vice president and he didn't tell a soul. He knew in 2017 that he had done that when Trump was president because he said to a ghostwriter, oh, I've got classified documents here. That's on tape. But again, they erased that tape, Megan. The only reason they found that out was they had forensics that was able to cover it. So here you have a guy in 2017 who admits it and doesn't notify any federal authority, and he sits on it for five years. So then why did he? Why do we know about the fact that he had uh, classified files? We only know about it because on November 2nd of 2020, he and his attorneys announced, oh, my God, he's had them for years. He had them from since 2017 when he told the ghostwriter he did. However, the reason that they announced that wasn't just less than two weeks. They were two weeks, a little bit more than two weeks. They announced the appointment of Jack Smith. So they thought, oh, my God, we're going to appoint a, a special counsel to look into Trump. Does Joe have any exposure? Oh, yes, he does. So we better get preempt and get it out there before the, the special prosecutor is formally announced. 
The other thing is he lied in the press conference and said there was no top secret classification in his Afghan papers. There was, and he, he knew that. The other thing I got really, I think a lot of us got really angry about was Jill and Joe Biden. How dare he say that about uh, not, not remembering the date of both Biden's uh, death. And that, that was inappropriate, we were told, to bring in that. You know, you know what was inappropriate? For the last three to four years, as, le as recently as last fall, Joe Biden has deliberately lied about the circumstances of his own son's death. It's a tragic death. He died of a glioblastoma in Walter Reed Hospital. But he's gone in front of grieving families and said, we lost Bo in Iraq. That is completely untrue. And he, he has a habit of that, Megan. He did that for 10 years when his wife died in 72. Another tragic accident. His daughter died. But he blamed the truck driver who was absolutely innocent and, if anything, not culpable in trying to avoid that accident. And he said that he drank his lunch. I lost my wife to a drunk driver. And the family pleaded with Joe Biden for a decade to stop that. And the poor man died before Biden apologized or stopped it. So what I'm getting at is Joe Biden has used deaths in his family for patently political purposes. The, the pro, spos, special uh, counsel was not trying to do that. He was just giving you examples of the egregious loss of memory or cognitive ability. And yet they, they turned it into, how dare you? This is below, this is beyond the pale, when they have done it repeatedly. And I wouldn't have brought it up. I don't think anybody should, except they do it all the time. They try to make they try to distort the actual circumstances of their son's death. Anybody who's lost right. a child knows that you don't do that. You don't try to change the conditions of how you lost a child to gain empathy or to take empathy away from somebody who's grieving from the actual circumstance. And I thought that I, I got really upset about that. They've been so untruthful about in their replies to all of these facts. And I thought Goldman was terrible when he said, oh, he's he notified people as soon as he knew. He never had notified anybody until the appointment of the special counsel was going to take place in, within two weeks. So it's very true. So so first of all, he, you know, according to this report, he was sitting there reading the classified documents and material therein to his ghostwriter out loud. So he very well knew, at least at that point that he had classified documents in his possession and he was sharing the contents with somebody. I mean, to look at the infamous meeting of Trump allegedly waving around the classified document, like, I've got it here, the attack plans, look at this. Um, this was given to me by, what's his name? And um, he wants us to attack Iran. I could show it to you, but it's classified. He's He's been indicted for that, among other things. This yes, is did. an allegation that Joe Biden read the classified documents to the ghostwriter, who then deletes the tape. So, I mean, at, at least as of then, um, he had it and he knew. And unlike Trump, he had never been president. He had never had access to this stuff in a way that would have allowed him to take it with him back to his home in Delaware, even arguably. Senators have to review classified documents in these so-called skiffs, these secure information rooms, and then they leave. The information doesn't leave. The documents never leave. And so he had some of the stuff from his senatorial time. Uh, and that's a really good point because 
they've tried to say, well, these things are very different. They are different, but not in the way the Biden people are saying they're different. They're different because, as you said, the president has the prerogative in theory anytime he wants to, to declassify them. Maybe Trump didn't do it formally, but he had that option. He wouldn't be in this trouble if he just signed a paper saying these are declassified. The second thing is anybody who's driven by Mar-a-Lago knows it's a lot more secure location than Joe Biden's garage when you see that picture of those cartons. And the idea, well, he had it in a secure, it's not true. Trump had it for less than two years. Joe Biden has had classified documents in his possession since he left the Senate. And that, again, that's 14 years plus. So how they took that asymmetry and said, well, Donald Trump is the object of an investigation by Jack Smith. It's so egregious we had to indict him. But Mr. Hur could not indict Joe Biden because his circumstances were completely different, although he didn't quite say that, did he? He did say that from time to time, but he said the chief reason was is a jury should not, would not indict him. But, you know, another thing is that's not the, that, that is an attitude of a local prosecutor. And you know that, Megan, who has limited resources. They have to pick and choose which case they think they can win in the jury. It's not the prerogative of a special counsel with the full weight and funding of the federal government who knows that he can try and he'll have all the resources in the world. And yet he makes the decision in his opinion that he might not win it. The point is he's supposed to try to win it and persuade a jury that uh, Joe Biden was capable of what he was doing. And so I thought that was a little strange that her said that. It was it was a James Comey, you know, return that Hillary is really guilty of taking out classified uh, emails or communicating over an insecure server or destroying subpoena devices. But I don't think anybody wants to indict a presidential candidate, in my mm -hmm. opinion. That was well, that's the other thing. I mean, Andy McCarthy was pointing out on his podcast, which I li listen to every Friday, um, that they number one, they used the wrong standard. They said, "Oh, you know, you got to prove that he did it willfully," and we're not there. And really, the standard is: was it grossly negligent? Which is a much easier burden yes. for any prosecutor yes. to meet. Um, and number two, as to the criticism by Kamala Harris that uh, it was gratuitous, uh, that he released, he, he he it was obviously political. She said, um, and she said, she said, "Yeah, exactly. It could not be." It, he, that it was politically motivated. I'm just trying to get her exact words. Um, Andy's point was that there is a DOJ regulation that required the special counsel to explain in full to the attorney general exactly his assessment of how this would play in front of a jury. Her, H-U-R, mm. had the obligation under DOJ mm. guidelines, C rule 600.8 subset C, um, to explain his rationale for charging decisions in a confidential report. This is, um, that was a subsection of the special counsel regulations, Title 28, Code of the Federal Regulations, to explain the charging decisions and why you made them. It is the special counsel's job to make the attorney general aware of significant litigation issues that might arise if the decision to indict were made. In this case, Biden's mental acuity was relevant. Andy pointing out there is absolutely nothing inappropriate in hers consideration of how Biden's mental decline would play in a jury trial. It is then up to the attorney general to decide whether to release all or part of the report to the public. And I think Merrick Garland accurately deduced that if he released a report with big redactions in an interview on subjects that had 
that, that had to do with Biden's recall, the public would have gone nuts. What did he forget? What's there? And then if they, he was ultimately forced to then show what he'd redacted or someone leaked it and what he tried to hide from us was that the sitting president can't remember when he was vice president or within several years when his son died, which was relatively recent, people would have had his head on a plate. Yeah, but I mean, the, Mr. Herr and Mr. Garland know that this is absurd because you can't, on the one hand, say there's enough incriminating evidence to probably get an indictment. But we decided that in our opinion, and I'm just speaking for Garland and proving this, apparently, because he didn't overrule him. I guess, and I'm not sure about the statute, statutory authority for that. But in our opinion, a jury wouldn't buy this. And therefore, the president of the United States is de facto unfit to face an indictment. Well, uh, that means he's what? He, a truck driver is fit, a, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, they're all fit. But the man who ha should be more fit than any of us because he's president of the United States gets a special exemption because the prosecutor, in his view, thinks a jury will think he's unfit. What does that That is a de facto condemnation of the whole process. And it's basically saying we've got somebody who should be removed by the 25th Amendment because he can't even face a jury without them concluding that he is cognitively incapable of defending himself. And that that's what they can't get away of. And that's why they keep trying to lie and lie and lie. And Don, again, Donald Trump is a big beneficiary of this because uh, it really is weakening uh, Jack Smith's going to have a terrible time trying to, at least on the document part of his indictments, to convict or even get into court and convince anybody that this is fair after what's happened with Biden. And the uh, I, uh, I was just going to say on, on the accuracy point, though, so, which is something we need to round back to. So Kamala Harris is is suggesting that it's inaccurate the report. Okay, as I said, Joe Biden hasn't even claimed that. Uh, the stuff about the memory problems. And I said earlier, okay, maybe he suggested it on Bo, but he didn't actually say that the special counsel report was wrong on Bo. He just took umbrage at the fact that it was in there. And apparently that people believe he doesn't know when Bo died, but he's, he's not, he didn't actually say the special counsel lied about that or got that wrong. He just got out there and tried to be indignant about the fact that he was being accused of it. And meanwhile, Jill Biden weighed in over the weekend with an admission that he got it wrong. She was trying to defend him and in so doing admitted that he got it wrong. She said in a statement, quote, if you've experienced a loss like that, you know that you don't measure it in years. You measure it in grief. Now, look, I would submit that's not true. I don't believe that. I mean, in my audience knows I lost my sister a year plus ago in October I lost my dad in 1985, and most people who have had tragic loss like that can tell you exactly. It was December 15th, 1985. It was a Sunday night. Now, look, I'm much younger than Joe Biden, so I still have it at the ready. Maybe when I'm 81, that date will fade. But I would suggest what she said is not true. Most people have had massive loss in their life, like of that scale, the loss of a child. You do measure it in years. It's, it's very, it's front lobe. You've got it. And the fact that it's not front lobe for Joe Biden does tell us something. And just one other point, Victor. Um, Kamala Harris says his demeanor, as described in that report, 
could not be more wrong. Now, she wasn't in the interview, so she has no idea whether special counsel her got it right or wrong. She's not in a position to opine. And she jumps to an entirely different event to say, oh, he, he was strong in dealing with Israel. That would be barred from a court of law as totally irrelevant. It doesn't speak to how he behaved in that in that interview with special counsel her who spent hours with him. And if it were wrong, release the transcript. The White House won't do it. And when he's trying to explain all of this in front of the world, what does he do? He kind of maligns the president of Egypt, who's a very critical partner right now, because he says he basically accuses him that he wasn't going to help out an open Gaza until I talked to him. But then he gets he calls him the president of Mexico. And then he talks about a corridor, almost as if he's talking about the southern border. So the president of Mexico and the president of Egypt are either confounded or angry. And this is all presented to us as an example that he's going to shift topics and show us how cognitively astute he is. And, she, and then after all of this, she gets up and says, there's nothing to it. And it, it's not going to work. It, it's just not going to work. And they know it. And the thing, another thing that got me is how did we even know about the phone call? Again, excuse uh, the tape that Joe Biden uh, allegedly said to his ghostwriter in 2017, well, you know, I've got classified. We know it because of forensic evidence. That ghostwriter destroyed that uh, tape. And he may have done it, according to some of the press reports, once this investigation started. And then later he said he did it. Yes. So he was, he was afraid that he might be hacked. How many times has somebody hacked somebody, uh, a ghostwriter? Nobody even knew who he was. And so there was an effort a concentrated effort of the, the Biden legal team to package this in a way that did not represent the facts. The facts that they were confronted with, they had a non-compost president who had papers that were classified for over 14 years, and at least the last five knew that they were classified, and they had a special counsel who was going to take charge in two weeks and charge Donald Trump with that exact crime. And they didn't know what to do about it. So they came out and preempted and told all these crazy stories and lies. And they got they raced this uh, phone. The special counsel should have said, you know, done something about that. Why did he they erase? Charging the ghostwriter. Yeah. Yeah, he should have. And so they're very lucky because uh, and they should decide what the, their narrative is. It's either that Joe Biden uh, should not have been indicted because he is non-compos mentes, or that he's perfectly clear and therefore he should be indicted. Because they haven't told us exactly why he shouldn't be indicted. All they've said is things that are not true. They've said that the locations were more secure. That's not true. They said that he, they notified authorities as soon as they knew it. That's not true. They said that the Afghan papers were not classified. That's not true. And they suggested that they didn't really have in his uh, possession that long. That's not true. He had it for at least seven or eight times longer than Donald Trump did. So I don't know what their, their strategy is to say that he's perfectly crystal clear, but we're going to lie about why he shouldn't have been indicted as somebody who was cognizant. And that's what they can't figure out. And that's going to haunt them yep. because uh, you're not going to get away from that. Remember the freak out, too, about Trump having military documents? And that's exactly yes. what they say Biden had in his possession. There was a complete meltdown about how on earth a, an irresponsible president could have in his possession 
military plans and documents I, I that might be relevant, sources and methods we heard, right? That's what was in the Biden documents. And, and it was again, even more like Trump. He has never another, been president. And that's another great point, because they asked Biden, why did he take them out? And they get they cited three. The news accounts cited three reasons. One was he wanted to write his memoirs and he wanted the other is he might have he might want to address critics and he wanted the record that's exactly what trump said that i want these documents so that they that's exactly what he said and then there was even something that he wanted to uh have in his possession things that might be profitable to him at some point i don't know whether that meant financially or that he would be able to uh, reply to critics or he would have insight into uh, national security matters, but they weren't altru- altruistic. None of them were. They were all centered on exactly what Donald Trump said. I was going to write my memoirs. I wanted to have the stuff out there so they don't lie about me. And I wanted to reply to my critics. And it was no different. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to get away with it. And I think we're headed to a point that as this builds up, they're going to have to do something. At the, that's another issue, but they're going to have to do something at the convention because uh, these these. Well, wait, stand by. We'll get to that. We'll get to that because I yeah. do want to talk to you about whether Biden can can last yeah. here. But I don't want to get off of the minutia of the responses because it's important. It's important what they're trying, how they're spinning. I mean, truly, it's like the guy at the circus with so many plates, the amount of spinning that's going on because this report was that bad, as was his presser thereafter. But on the point you just raised about um, w- that we were just discussing. He talked with the ghostwriter. I interviewed him on NBC about his book. It was 2018. It was so the sit down with the author was obviously a year or two p- before that. I, I'm sure I could look up the date. I don't have it in front of me, but at a, at, a, at the latest, it would have been 17. Um, so he's reading classified documents to the to the ghostwriter. And here he is in 22 talking about Trump's treatment of classified info. You saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. So, Victor, that's one of two things. It's either a blatant lie, because that man knows very well that he had documents just like that back at his house for years that he never was entitled to take with him out of office, or he forgot. I don't, each one is equally likely. He's got a pattern of both. I don't know what the answer is, but it's not excusable. Well, it's, it's, that's just part of this dilemma they'll never get out of. They either have to say that he's, can't remember anything and therefore he's not culpable or he's crystal clear and he's culpable and they don't they go back and forth sometimes it's you know he didn't do what Donald Trump did and sometimes you know uh, they're lying about his cognitive abilities he's and so he is crystal clear and then if he's crystal clear then it's pretty clear to refute the fact that what it, uh, that they're lying about what he actually did it's on the record that press conference of which he tried to explain it wasn't just he, he had a, a trifecta. He said first he convinced people that he wasn't cognitively alert. And then he lied about the facts of the case that if he worked cognitively alert, he should have been indicted because he lied three times about things that gave him criminal exposure. 
And then when he shifted into foreign policy to show us that he's the president, it was a disaster. And so that press conference, you know, I, I don't think he's going to recover from that. I think there's people yeah, no, who he's are very walking himself. He should be walking himself right into an indictment. If the only reason he didn't, yeah, didn't get indicted, he, the main reason is he's too enfeebled mentally to stand trial. Yes, and he comes out yes. there to say that's a lie. Then he should get indicted. And it, well, I mean, it's like the Democrat. He should get he should get impeached. Exactly. If, if you can be cognitively challenged and still have high office and Donald Trump should say tomorrow, well, you know, I confuse Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley. I'm cognitively challenged, but it's no it's no uh, disqualification to be present. But it is uh, an exemption from indictment by a special counsel because I right. plead that I'm not always alert. It's the same thing. I'm a he should do it elderly tomorrow. man with a poor memory. Yes, but that doesn't disqualify me from being the, the elected president in 2024. This is going to be an affirmative defense to every claim brought by federal prosecutors from now on. Well-meaning elderly <laughs> man with a poor memory. I hear this gets you out. This is an affirmative defense. We're going to plead it in our, our answer yeah. to the charges. OK, a couple more points. Uh, Biden's lawyer, Bob Bauer, was on the Sunday show's Face of the Nation here. This is his attack. Take a listen. The special counsel opens by thanking the president for making the scheduled appointment. Mm -hmm. It could have been rescheduled given international events. Then he proceeds to say, I'm going to be taking you through events that are many years ago. Mm -hmm. He flags that. So all I can ask is your best recollection. And that is precisely what the president did. He engaged. He answered the questions. And the special counsel's decision to cherry pick in a very misleading way some of the references that you're discussing here is an example of what I call a really shabby work product. Okay. So the special counsel said, I'm going to be talking you through events that are many years ago. So all I can ask is your best recollection. We all say that as lawyers who are deposing somebody about an event in their past. He, that is a reference to where were the documents? When did you take them? What documents are there? Where did you store them? Then where did they go? That is not a reference to do your best to remember when you were vice president. Very clearly, the special counsel and everyone in the room had a basic understanding that the sitting president of the United States would have a clear memory of certain big events. And to the best of your recollection is not some excuse to not remember the basic facts of your life. That is such a weak defense, Victor, that it just shows yeah. me they've got nothing. He, they can't defend it. They can't. And if he's challenging the veracity in some sense of the special prosecutor or counsel, why don't they just then release the exact transcript and see how sure. whether he stuttered or even get the vid, the audio and let us hear exactly how he answered those questions and the other questions yeah. that aren't even mentioned in the news accounts. And here's a, his counsel who's trying to convince us that this is unfair to su even suggest that he had memory lapses when the president came out and immediately on news of this new of this development, he comes into an evening press conference and he confuses the president of Egypt and Mexico after a week in which he's confused. Uh, he said that the president of uh, Germany, the chancellor of Germany, Herm Helmut Kohl, is still alive, as is Francois Mitterrand. And that's not I mean, how can he get out there and say that? I, I know why he did it, but it's not going to convince anybody. And so, okay, but now, again, but now what they're doing is trying to say it was politically motivated, even though they never said when her got appointed, that's a partisan hack. We can't trust him. Why'd you appoint him? Never. 
Never. It wasn't until they read his results that they said, he should not have been entrusted with this job. Okay. So that's number one. But secondly, what I heard over the weekend was from people like Joe Scarborough, James Carville, Merrick Garland failed. And some even suggesting Merrick Garland's got to go. Now there's more and more reporting that he's going to be a one-term AG if Biden gets reelected, that it was his responsibility to protect Joe Biden from this report by, number one, not appointing a special counsel. They don't believe one should have been appointed. Number two, making sure it was a Democrat. And number three, if all else fails, editing out the most damaging contents from the report so that the American people could not see it. So dovetailed with a report in Politico now that behind the scenes, Joe Biden is very angry with Merrick Garland for, among other things, not moving faster on the Trump prosecutions because he feels reportedly that they could have been already tried by now to completion, thus preventing Donald Trump from getting the nomination or certainly getting into the White House if he's convicted and potentially sitting in a jail cell. All of which, like they're saying it openly now. This is their complaint about Garland and what Joe Biden says behind the scenes, just owning the blatant politicization, cization, I can't, I can't that word troubles me, um, of the, of the Department of Justice, which is what the Republicans have been saying all along and they have been denying. It's even worse than that because we know even before the special counsel's report that there were rumors that Joe Biden had been angry. And why didn't Garland? This has been going on, these leaks for about a year. But more importantly, Fannie Willis, we've told there was no coordination between any of these state, local and federal prosecutions. Now we understand that Mr. Nicholas Wade, the chief prosecutor that she appointed for Paramore, went to the White House and perhaps they don't quite give us the name, met with a White House counsel and build build the taxpayers of Georgia $250 an hour for being tutored or mentored by a White House representative. And then, of course, also they had consultations with the January 6th committee about witnesses and how to prepare them and, and examine them. So th- from the ver- get-go, this was a weaponization and, you know, now they're now they're uh, calling no, no, it out. They now didn't. They didn't say it. it. They didn't say a word. And Jeff Sessions had to step down, and we had Robert Mueller, and nobody said a word on the left. They thought that was the greatest thing in the world that happened. When, and when you look at the political affinities of Latita James and Fannie Willis and Alvin Bragg, and the f- larger family of Jack Smith and his wife working uh, on some publicity and things for. Uh, not for, but about Michelle Obama. All of them start with the premise that the prosecutor is left leaning. The judges in all of these cases, maybe not, maybe one, but most of them are left leaning. And the jury pulls of these big cities are going to be left leaning, and they're delighted about. It. Just like during Robert Mueller, they were talking about the Hunter Killer team, the All Stars, the the pros. They they were all so happy about the. Andrew Weissman team that was going to go after Donald Trump. And they're just like little children. They don't look at any oh, well, symmetry. Then, can I, so, so just to yeah. point this out, Adam Schiff, who's possibly the worst, the worst on this front, the biggest hypocrite in Congress, and that's saying something. In 2018, when Trump was out there attacking special counsel Mueller 
on the fake Russiagate investigation, which exonerated Trump in large part, not entirely for everything, but Russiagate was a lie. Um, Adam Schiff back then denounced attacks on the finding of Mueller as, quote, a very underhanded effort to besmirch his character. Flash forward to now. This is a quote. Special counsel Robert Herr is, quote, a hack. He's a hack. But you're not supposed to besmirch the character of the special counsels. That's the way it's supposed to work, Victor. What, what I, you know, somebody should ask them the question, what did they want the special counsel to do, given the evidence? Are they angry at him because he did what? Because he said Joe Biden got off? Is, are they happy with him, angry? That, I don't know what they did. He didn't indict Joe Biden. That's what they wanted. So half right. the time they say Take there the wasn't w. enough evidence. And they can't they can never quite figure out what the narrative is going to be because they wanted him not to be indicted. They knew he was basically guilty. The special counsel went through. He went through all the evidence and he decided not to indict him. They should have been, you know, perfectly happy, except now they are stuck with the idea why he didn't indict him because he wasn't cognizant. And therefore, yeah, you have to like be cognizant. Reason. Yeah. And you have to be cognizant. Right, so that that leads us to the discussion that you raised earlier, which is. Now what? Because now we're getting thought pieces, even from the left, that Joe Biden can't do it, that they they really, really, really need an alternative and that for the we good do. of the party and the country, he should step down. Even National Review had a good piece today by Jim Garrity talking about, um, and I think he was citing another writer there, forgive me, I can't remember who it was, but talking about how at this point, Kamala Harris actually might be a better alternative for the Democrats than Joe Biden pointing out she's only actually one point below Joe Biden on the approval rating. I mean, now that's that's not good. They're both terrible, but at least it would remove from the Republicans the argument about mental infirmity due to age and senility. And they do need to do something about that because the latest ABC Ipsos poll released Sunday it was taken Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So post his Thursday night meltdown and the release of the her report on Thursday, 86% of the American populace thinks Biden is too old to serve. That is up 12 points from just September. 86%, 73% of Democrats believe that. 91% of independents believe that. And virtually all Republicans, of course, but that's 73 percent of Dems, 91 percent of independents, 86 percent of the populace. You can't get past that, Victor. No, you can't. And they don't know what to do. So about now what? It. And now what? I mean, it's too late for a major candidate to get on the ballot. So it's going to have to happen at the convention, I guess. Uh, he's going to have to somebody's going to have to give the Biden delegates to someone that someone is logically Kamala Harris, which apparently they don't want under any circumstances. So they're going to do what? They're going to take the sitting vice president, an African-American woman who Joe Biden selected in his own words on the basis of her gender and race. They're going to what, disqualify her from that and just hand it over to whom? Gavin Newsom? Maybe Michelle Obama. That might be able to uh, square that circle. But they're in a big every time, any time a candidate, when Lyndon Johnson suddenly dropped out in 68, that caused a turmoil. I mean, but they had candidates. 
They had Robert Kennedy running. They had other candidates running. They don't have a candidate now. When they got mm -hmm. uh, Eagleton off the ticket in 72 at the last minute because they said he'd have electric shocks, they didn't know what to do. It really damaged. The, anytime you're a political party and you have that sudden change of the two top posts, uh, the voters don't like it. And they, they've got to do something very quickly, I think, because he's he's not declining at a predictable arithmetic rate. If you look at what he was like on inauguration day compared to now, it's it's very different. He's 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 declining geometrically. Each day gets a little bit, not a little bit, but more and more worrisome. And these are people, remember, who told us that a Yale psychiatrist had to come to Congress, Bandy Lee, and testify that Donald Trump should have an intervention straitjacket and be taken, carted out because he was crazy. And these were delighted when Andrew McCabe, the acting FBI director, and Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, cooked up some plan to wear a wire, apparently, according to McCabe, Rosenstein, and go in and uh, record without Trump's knowledge proof that he was crazy so they could convince the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment. So they were all in on this. And that that people forget, that's why Donald Trump took the Mon Montreal Cognitive Assessment, not because he wanted to, because everybody was yelling and screaming at him, Yale psychiatrists, Congress, FBI, that they wanted him out because he was nuts. So he took this exam, and everybody knows that that's not going to happen with Joe Biden. So I don't know. They they always bring up project. They bring up these issues, and then when they boomerang back, they get very very angry. And this is so unfair. Like they, they threw an adolescent temper tantrum, and it it's getting old. And I think people are tired of it, and they and they well, think but, you I know mean, what. Now their temper is not going to be the headline. They're, they're, what's going to be the headline is can this guy get the ball across the the end zone? To take it back to the Super Bowl no. references, um, that's the question. And and right now, so the Wall Street Journal did an interview with Kamala Harris last week before the meltdown and the her report hit, and they asked her about her her ability. Well, the, first of all, they, the question was, do voters concerns about President Biden's age? Again, this is pre the her report, pre his presser. Do voters concerns about his age mean she must convince them she's ready to serve? Her answer: I am ready to serve. There's no question about that. She responded. Quote, everyone who sees her on the job, Harris said, and then quoting her, walks away fully aware of my capacity to lead. Now, <laughs> I'm, uh, hold on. This is my response to that. Here's my response to that. Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I got doubts yeah. about whether that's what they walk away thinking, Victor. But mm -hmm. the Democrats are in a pickle. And already in the left-wing press today, we're seeing pieces on how could we do it? Like if we needed to do it, James Carville was speaking to this, sort of saying we got rid of the superdelegate thing and after 2016, you know, after they've tried to wait the whole thing for Hillary over Bernie. So there's not exactly the party elder system, but he was saying, and the article saying, it really needs to be Joe Biden who gets all these delegates and, and you know, wins March and Super Tuesday and all the um, states that follow. And then at the convention, he's got to make the decision. I'm out. And here's the baton, Kamala or somebody, but they need him to want to do it. And so far as what the, all these Democrats are saying, 
they'll never get him to do it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to depart. Or they have to get the people who have been making a lot of the decisions for Joe Biden in the last three years, whoever those people are. I think a lot of it is coming from the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, but especially the two Obamas wing of the Democratic Party. They're the people who are running this Democratic Party. It's the hard left base. And Joe Biden was a useful vessel, uh, good old Joe Biden from Scranton. That was the Faustian bargain he made during the primary in South Carolina when they, they came to him and said, you know what, we will back you and we'll all drop out if you just give us a moderate veneer and electability because we can't get elected with this agenda. Bernie can't, Elizabeth Warren can't, Buttigieg can't, Cory Booker can't, but you can't because everybody believes you're a moderate Democrat from the past. And so they played along with it. And then they were running the country as part of the bargain. He got the celebratory presidency. And those are the people you have to deal with. And they will find a way, whether Joe says so or not, uh, to get rid of And the donor class will. I don't think Joe's going to have much of a, a say. They will find some incentive. I don't, but that doesn't extend to her. I don't know how they're going to get rid of Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, given her record on the border as borders are, or space are, anything that they've tasked her with hasn't worked out very well. And they got a serious pickle. That. And by the way, David Axelrod out saying again on CNN this weekend, she's not going to do it. Do we have that? Sat? Listen to Sat 31 as far as Michelle Obama. Take a listen to him on Michelle. She never was interested in a political life. Yeah. I, I was with him in his Senate campaign in 2004. I think she showed up twice. Uh, in the whole campaign uh, on election night, I would be floored <laughs> if she would uh, consent to that. I always say, Michael, that I have as much chance of dancing in the Bolshoi Ballet next year than uh, than that she would be president of the United States. Uh, and so if you see me running around at the end of the year in a leotard, you'll know what happened. <laughs> well, we'll uh, see. Very, so maybe maybe she's not going to be Maybe the underdog here to save then they're the gonna, day. They're going to have to be very creative in a way of, I mean, they could, Dan Quayle was sort of in that position, not even about re-election uh, with George H.W. Bush, and there was a lot of pressure to get him off. They felt that he was, you know, not very effective. And there was so much resistance against George H.W. Bush said, no, he's going to stay on the ticket. And this is much, much worse. And I don't know how they're going to do it but they're going to have to do something. Joe Biden, I don't think that's even the question. I think the question right now is for the next 12 months, how is he a viable president given that press conference he had? I don't mm-hmm. think there, and he passed up the Super Bowl. That was a huge, greatest audience in history. They could have got an obsequious, the normal obsequious interviewer. They could have coached him. They could have leaked the questions in advance. He had three minutes. It would have been a, and they didn't even trust him for that. So what's he going to do with we have a crisis? What if there's a war? What if something happens with Iran or Ukraine or China and Taiwan? Is he going to what's he going to do? Is he going to come radiate confidence, rally the, the nation to to arms? I don't know what he would do. And they know that. And, and, the, and the, it's a campaign, too. And on top of his presidential duties, he is running campaign. for reelection. And there's He's no got COVID to get out this there. time. Megan, there's, there's no, no COVID. COVID. And now we're hearing no, reports. No, no, oh, no COVID you know, he's. He's going to do small group meetings. Okay, that's not going to, you cannot bury him in the basement this time. We're going to have to see him. Even James Carville, who's been raising complaints, I mean, issues. Now, he says, I'm old too, I'm almost his age. But, you know, about his mental acuity, 
saw the refusal to do a Super Bowl uh, appearance, 100 million people potentially watching as a problematic sign. Take a listen to him, Sot 30. It's the biggest television audience, not even close. And you get a chance to do a 20, 25 minute interview on that day and you don't do it. That's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. He's right. <laughs> there isn't. I think the subtext of that is that they can't find anybody. So there's always tried and true Hillary that could step up. <laughs> oh, God. Stop it right now. <laughs> she actually was on on the shows this weekend saying age is an issue. It's a fair it's fair mm -hmm. game to discuss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Victor, what a thought yeah. <laughs> going over yeah. the next 12 months. I yeah. tell me she's not the solution. Such a no, pleasure, I, my friend. Thank you for being here. Th thank you. All right. Well, to be continued, I I'm overwhelmed by the amount of news and the spinning. And honestly, I've got real doubts about whether the Democratic Party is going to keep him. I really I mean, do you email me? Let me know your thoughts. You can email me at Megan, M-E-G-Y-N at MeganKelly.com. I do read the emails or you can go to the Apple podcast and post a review, like a comment that actually helps out our show, too. So if you want to do me a solid, you can do it there. Thank you for watching. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.